Well, friends, thank you for keeping this appointment with God, whether you're here in the room or online, or you will experience this message on our podcast or on our website. It's good to be together. I see a lot of red in the room. Feels good? Feels good. I see one blue, but that's okay. That's part of, we'll all get there together. We'll all get there. (laughs) Unlikely friends. If we haven't met, my name's Adam, and it's my joy to be the pastor here. Uh, I think there's a lot of information out there on becoming a better leader. Books, conferences, podcasts, master classes. What about being a better follower? Right? Have, have, my guess is a lot of us have taken some type of seminar or class on leadership development, whether that's at our job or even at school. Well, the title of this message is Followership Development. And if you're like me, you're like, is followership, is that even a word? One, you can look it up, it is. And two, that's really my point. Because followership is rarely discussed in comparison to leadership. And so in a world that viciously competes for our attention, in a world where we have infinite options, where being an influencer is an actual job, how do we filter what we let have influence over us? I want to spend less time today on how we're leading others and more time on how we're leading ourselves, or actually what we're following, what we're allowing to lead us. Because no leader can do the following for you to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. So whether we know it or not, we're all following something or someone. So how do we decide what we allow to influence us? How do we decide what we follow? Influence follows attention. The things we give our attention to will shape us. In an interview some time ago, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, I think kind of revealed the business model, certainly for the Cowboys, but for the NFL and a lot of things. He said this, you spend going on 30-something years saying, look at us, hey, wait, you're looking away. Look at us, we're the Cowboys. I think this very much captures the spirit of our time. Over here, ah, okay, what about this? How about, you tired of that? How about that over here? Like this concept has been called the attention economy. I read an article this week by author Mark Manson, and he described how scarcity drives economics and how the thing that is scarce has changed in our society over time. Because for a lot of human history, the scarcity was land, right? Because you could only grow a certain, a limited amount of food. Well, after the Industrial Revolution, the scarcity was labor. We had these machines who could produce so much, you needed labor to be trained to operate them. Uh, and this machinery could feed the multitudes. And since we could produce so much and earn so much, then over time the scarcity became knowledge. How do you know what to buy? I threw this up there. Remember the old cheer commercials? Like this detergent's better than this detergent? All right, I'm with you. So it's like buy our product. Here's, here's the knowledge on why our product works better. But now in the information age, with the advent of the internet and the smartphone, knowledge is in no short supply. And so the scarcity is our attention. It's like Jerry Jones said, look at us, hey, over here. The attention economy is Kohl's asking for your email at the register. And they, they kind of sneak it in there, don't they? What's a good email for you? Oh, well, wait a minute. It's not enough that you're already buying something at Kohl's. They want to get your attention later in your inbox. The attention economy is Sonic offering half price drinks if you order through their app. Because if, oh, if they can get on your, 
if they can get on your cell phone and get you notifications, that's worth a lot more to them than whatever money you're saving on a 44-ounce cherry limeade, right? The attention economy is Apple's new Vision Pro. Have you seen this? Their tagline is the Apple Pro, be in the moment. I think that's hilarious. Like this is not a, this is not a prank. It's not enough for Apple to have all our attention on our screen in our hand. They want to capture your entire field of vision. This is the strategy. I wish I was making it up, y'all. Let's read a scripture. Scripture. John 10 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And in it, Jesus speaks to the voices competing for our attention. He's addressing the Pharisees, and they were a powerful religious force in his time. He criticized them for how they loved the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in marketplaces. The Pharisees were Jesus' rivals, and, and they may have observed all the strict laws of Judaism, but they did so for the wrong reasons. They loved the power, and they loved the attention. Now, John is one of the Gospels of Jesus. This is a word that means good news. And the good news for us today is we do have a voice we can listen for. We do have a voice we can know and is worthy of our attention. Let's dive into John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Friends, not all of the voices competing for our attention are good. And Jesus is using the metaphor of a sheep pen to illustrate who gets access to the flock. People try to sneak in with bad motives. Later in John 10, Jesus would, would describe how you can differentiate one of these good from bad. There's a test to tell the difference between Jesus and between other forces. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So when trouble comes, you can tell a lot about a person's motives. Not every force in, in our lives is for us. Sometimes people or entities only want your attention for what's in it for them. And Jesus differentiates himself because he lays down his life for the sheep. Not everyone or everything that wants access to you should be let in. We continue in verses 2 and 3. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This is a rendering of what a sheep pen could have looked like in the first century. Ancient Israel was very rocky terrain and it was more suited for pasturing animals than for farming crops. And the sheep stayed out in the fields at night, often kept safe by pens made of rock like this. And sometimes they'd put thorns or briars on the top, kind of like a security measure. And so the shepherd is the one who had access to the sheep and would let them in and out. Not just anybody could get access to the sheep. And so we read that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. Now in other parts of the world, today and in ancient society, sheep were used for their meat. But in ancient Israel, they were mostly used for their wool. Scholar William Barclay notes that in the first century, sheep are often with the shepherd for years, and they often have names by which the shepherd calls them. Usually they were descriptive. For instance, brown leg or black ear. 
So what an incredible image that Jesus would know and call us by name like a shepherd who knows their flock. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The imagery of people as sheep and God as the shepherd is one that's woven all throughout the Bible. And being compared to a sheep is not the most complimentary image uh, that, that we could imagine. The shepherd goes out in front of the sheep to show them the safest path. And the shepherd protects the sheep, not only from themselves, but from other threats. And the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice. So I think two pertinent questions for us are, who are you following? And if we want to follow the good shepherd, how do you listen to the voice of Jesus? Whether we know it or not, as author John Mark Comer says, we're all following somebody, or at least something. Of all the competing voices, we have to be able to differentiate the shepherd from the stranger. And I want to give a small preface before I really try to go in on some things here. I believe it's called good news for a reason. And so I hope that my posture of preaching is for us to gather in worship, look inward toward our own sin, our own struggles, turn to Jesus, and then go back out into the world to love and serve in his name. In general, I don't think we need to huddle up in here to be uh, insulated while we look outward and diagnose all the world's sin. But in this case, I imagine our predicament much like a contestant on The Price is Right. Now, if you've never seen this show, I feel bad for you. This, this was sick day appointment viewing in, in my time. And if you've never watched the show, you get called down and then the contestants bid. They try to get the closest uh, number to what this product costs. But behind them are hundreds of audience members all screaming what they think the price is. All screaming for you to listen to them. And I th so I think this is a good image for the situation we find ourselves in. Part of the beauty of The Price is Right is everybody gets to participate, but part of our scenario is we have a lot of competing voices saying, look over here, listen to me. And so I, I tried to sort them out a little bit, and, and I, you know, I love my charts, so I got a small chart for you here. So here's what we're going to, here's, here's some of the voices I think that are kind of like in that audience of our minds vying for our attention. You've got the influencer, or the advertiser, and this is the area of marketing. Hey, here's what you should buy. You've got the algorithm, which, which delivers you videos in, in those times that you just want to do nothing. I'll talk a little bit about more on, on that in a sec. You've got the anchor or the content creator that gives us our news. You've got the celebrity or the athlete, which gives us entertainment. You have candidates, which, which are in the arena of politics. And you have our coaches and leaders in the arena of our activities. And so the advertiser has given way to the influencer. Have you seen or drank out of one of these Stanley tumblers? Who, who doesn't love these, right? You can trace their success back to an Instagram account called The Buy Guide. And since they partnered with this, uh, this account, Stanley's revenue has gone from 73 million in 2019 to more than 750 million in 2023. Wow. 10 times the amount. Friends, there is money and attention. You have all these accounts or these influencers who want to represent the brand or help you get that brand loyalty and live your best life if you just buy their affiliate product. Now, nothing wrong with having a tumbler. I want you to be hydrated, right? But just recognize the power economically 
that these influencers are having. The algorithms of social media are another kind of passive voice uh, vying for our attention. They help us scroll endlessly while the clicks and the ad views just pile up. And sometimes we let these recommended posts or videos just wash over us while we check out. My favorite thing, well, one of them, in the evening is for one of my kids or Sarah to ask me, hey, what are you looking at? And my response is, nothing. Anybody else? You just kind of let it wash over you. Friends, YouTube has over 500 hours of content uploaded per minute. Per minute. So there's an infinite amount of content for us to just let wash over us. There's always more to scroll, and there's always more advertisements. I think the news anchor or the content creator or the podcast host is a powerful position in our society today. These are the people who keep us surprised of what should outrage us next. <laughs> oh, it's not funny to me. A study by the Journal on Nature and Human Behavior found that negative headlines drive more online news consumption. And on social media, you can find plenty of positive content, but what gets shared much more than positive content, according to the National Library of Medicine, are the negative expressions on social media. Friends, I would caution all of us to consume news with a critical eye, because the line between being in the information business and being in the attention business has all but disappeared. Our culture heaps attention on celebrities who entertain us in their movies or with their music or their dominating performance in their sport. And it appears that some folks are famous just because they're famous. I haven't quite figured that one out yet. We even have celebrity pastors. That's where we're at. I could find the top celebrities on social media. This is what I found. Cristiano Ronaldo, Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, and Ariana Grande. Literally, the people with the most followers around. They use their influence for us to be entertained in their latest film or their album or their three-hour game. And they endorse products or advocate for political preferences. These are more voices competing to tell us for what makes a good life. Our political candidates become voices that call to us to merge our identity with theirs. And our beliefs mirror their beliefs and their victory or loss is our victory or loss. Friends, the partisanship in our country is a poison and it is resulting in increasingly unfavorable views of one another. This is a graph from the Pew Research Center which shows that since the mid-90s, vitriol, antipathy, I had to look that up, uh, uh, antagonistic views of people who think differently or vote differently than us is rapidly on the rise. The coaches of our children's teams are a major voice which require attention. Now, I say this having coached flag football for three years. But, man, what, the operation we had is small potatoes compared to a lot of youth club sports. According to an article in Boston Magazine, youth sports in the United States is a $19.2 billion market. Now, to put that in perspective, in 2019, the NFL's market was valued at $15 billion. So it outpaces the most professional sport in our country. Youth sports is a massive commitment in terms of time and dollars and attention. So we have this kind of audience in our mind, the Price is Right audience, screaming at us for what we should pay attention to, the content creator, the algorithm, the influencer, the celebrity, the candidate, and the coach, all yelling, hey, over here, over here. Now, am I suggesting that we shouldn't participate in social media or sports or vote? I am not. 
Should we not buy anything ever? That's not what I'm trying to tell you. I do think you should ask yourself, what is the outcome of the things I give my attention to? What is this influence producing in me? And how does that stack up with what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Influence follows attention. The things that we pay attention to will influence us. They will shape us as we follow them. Jesus wants us to follow his voice. And anything besides that is robbing you of what Jesus called life to the full in John chapter 10. When we think that the next product is going to fulfill us, we allow ourselves to be robbed. When we check out and scroll mindlessly, we're being robbed of more meaningful things in life. When we listen to endless quasi-political content built on outrage, why are we surprised when we do not see the fruit of the Spirit? If all we want is to be entertained, we're robbing ourselves of following the person who can show us what life really is. Friends, when we are more Democrat or Republican than we are Christian, we have forsaken our first love. When we become more Democrat or Republican than Christian, we have given our life to politics instead of Jesus. And if our children get a D1 scholarship for athletics, but we haven't shown them the first thing about being a Christian, we have made sports into an idol. Now, if you've been crushed by the irony of me preaching on all this, decked head to toe in chief's garb, I get it. I did that on purpose, believe it or not. Because I think it is possible to have a social media account and be a participant in culture and be a Christian. I think it is part of our Christian responsibility to vote. I want our kids to have a Christ-centered presence on their sports team. Friends, at the end of the long day, man, I got two kids. I love mindless scrolling as much as the next person. So I'm not here to beat you up. I got two kids. One's in Taekwondo twice a week. The other plays flag football in the fall and soccer in the spring and in between does guitar lessons. So I think it's possible to have kids' activities and invest in your child's faith development. And I know we got a lot of folks that work real hard to do both of those things. But the question is, how can we pay attention to Jesus? In the crowd of other voices, how can we follow him because we know his voice? And so I find it helpful to think in terms of quality of attention and not just quantity. So I reject the idea of cultural asceticism, and I'm not just trying to flex a master's degree here. That's the concept that we reject uh, all that's in the world and don't participate at all in culture, that we should avoid all these distractions and instead discipline ourselves like monks. That's not what I'm trying to get us to do. What I am suggesting is that we listen to and come to know the shepherd's voice by paying attention and giving Jesus our quality attention. Now, one of the ways we do that is in worship. And so I want to say, well done. Whether you're here in the room, whether you're with us online right now, or later on in the week, I want to congratulate you. You're doing it. That's right. You are worshiping Jesus and you're creating a space for God to fill. That happens with regularity on Sunday morning, but it's certainly not limited to that. And so I'm not suggesting that if you're not here on a Sunday morning that you're missing the boat. What I am suggesting 
is that giving our attention to Jesus requires intentionality. It ain't just going to happen. And so what we want to do as a church is not give you a lecture while I wear a scarf. What I want to do as a church is give you the tools that you need to take responsibility for your own followership development. We pay attention to Jesus by reading his word. This helps us know him in order uh, to hear him, to be influenced by him, and to become more like him. This year, I found a good rhythm of listening to the Bible in a Year podcast. Uh, that screenshot's on the left here. It's about 20 minutes a day. I've got three other friends doing the same thing, and we've got a little text thread going, and sometimes it's, man, great passage today. Other times it's, woo, Leviticus is not a page turner. <laughs> True story. I've got friends who enjoy the Bible app. That's on the right. And you can access a ton of reading plans there. Again, we live in the information age. Information isn't the problem. Attention is the problem. We have study groups and community groups that dive deeper into the Bible so we can follow Jesus together. You can find those at carney.church slash groups. We have podcast content that we put out every week, and it takes the sermon discussion further from Sunday. If you miss a, a, a message on Sunday, we put those online every Monday morning. You can find those at carney.church slash worship. And if you're looking for a place to start, we're going to experiment with weekly devotions based on the message from Sunday. And starting tomorrow, you can find those at carney.church slash devotion. And so this was the appetizer for the next six weeks on these spiritual practices that are going to help us pay attention to Jesus' voice. But I hope you see the pattern and the stuff that we're trying to do in here. Again, physically or online. What this is about is gathering in here to be encouraged, to learn, to grow close, to listen for Jesus' voice so that we can live as Christians and follow Jesus out there. And so all the stuff on our website, all, all, the, all the activities that we're trying to organize aren't just to keep you busy. They're to help resource you in your own fellowship development. I think we'd agree I've gone pretty easy on the football metaphors today. I'm just going to affirm myself in that. But friends, this is the huddle. Out there is actually running the play. Right? And so we need to give attention to the voice of the good shepherd in our lives. To tell the difference between truth and lies, substance and junk, to spot robbers from thieves. I pray that you could create space in your life to give Jesus your attention. That you would hear and know his voice amidst all the competing voices in this world. Influence follows attention. May you know and be influenced by our good shepherd. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.